Shining City Audio, a John Meacham and C-13 original studio. February 27, 1860. Abraham Lincoln speaks at Cooper Union. I'm John Meacham, and this is Reflections of History. The lecture that had consumed Abraham Lincoln was scheduled to be delivered at Henry Ward Beecher's Plymouth Church in Brooklyn. The Democratic Illinois State Register commented, Subject not known. Consideration, $200 in expenses. Object, presidential capital. As it turned out, the venue was shifted across the East River to Manhattan. And so on this date, Monday, February 27, 1860, Lincoln would rise to address New Yorkers gathered in the Great Hall of the Cooper Institute for the Advancement of Science and Art, the brainchild of the inventor, Peter Cooper. His law partner, William Herndon, recalled of Lincoln and the Cooper Union Address, No former effort in the line of speechmaking had cost Lincoln so much time and thought as this one. In the State Library in Springfield, Lincoln had searched through the dusty volumes of congressional proceedings and spent time with the historian Jonathan Elliott's edition of The Debates in the Several State Conventions on the Adoption of the Federal Constitution. In New York in late February, Lincoln polished the text in his quarters at Astor House, the grand hotel next to St. Paul's Chapel at Broadway in Vesey. The Cooper audience was learned, influential, and exacting. Worried about the impression he was to make, Lincoln had brought a new suit from Illinois, but it was wrinkled from the journey and, in any event, didn't quite fit. The collar of his coat on the right side had an unpleasant way of flying up whenever he raised his arm, Herndon recalled. The editor and poet William Cullen Bryant presided over the evening, and Lincoln worried that the crowd might note the contrast between his western clothes and the neat-fitting suits of Mr. Bryant and others who sat on the platform. All such concerns evaporated, though, as Lincoln said what he had come to say to the crowded Great Hall. It was a lawyerly address rooted in fact. The frontier politician forwent stories and jokes, as if to make absolutely clear to the sophisticates of New York that he was a serious man who ought to be taken seriously. Lincoln made his case with precision. The nation lived under a constitution framed by those who intended for the federal government to prevent the spread of slavery. He said, this is all Republicans ask, all Republicans desire in relation to slavery. As those fathers marked it, so let it be again marked as an evil not to be extended, but to be tolerated and protected only because of and so far as its actual presence among us makes that toleration and protection a necessity. Let all the guarantees those fathers gave it be not grudgingly, but fully and fairly maintained. He was talking about slavery versus freedom, reason versus unreason, nationhood versus sectionalism. Lincoln said, I do not mean to say that we are bound to follow implicitly in whatever our fathers did. To do so would be to discard all the lights of current experience, to reject all progress, all improvement. What I do say is that if we would supplant the opinions and policy of our fathers in any case, we should do so upon evidence so conclusive and arguments so clear that even their great authority, fairly considered and weighed, cannot stand. There was no such evidence, no such argument, 
when it came to slavery's expansion. As Lincoln saw it, white Southerners were staking everything on a defensive and belligerent worldview. It was all, or it was nothing. Such was not the path to democratic deliberation, but to total war. Lincoln saw this, he knew this, and he warned his audience about this. To blindly and repeatedly assert one's own position, one's own righteousness, one's own rectitude in the face of widely held opinion to the contrary was not democracy. It was an attempt, rather, at autocracy. A bid, as Lincoln said, to rule or ruin in all events. Democracies could not endure if absolutism prevailed. Tomorrow on Reflections, we'll finish this brief discussion of the Cooper Union Address. Thank you for listening to Reflections of History, a creation of Shining City Audio, a C-13 Originals and John Meacham Studio. Reflections of History is executive produced by me, John Meacham, and Chris Corcoran, Chief Content Officer and Founding Partner of Cadence 13. Production and editing led by Lloyd Lockridge, Margot Gray, and Chris Basil. Production assistance by Andy Jaskowitz and Adam Macias. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company. I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.